You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. How are you guys? Good. You're looking sounding good this morning. Um, and it's good to be back with you. We just got back from a ministry trip to Indonesia. So by the time I finish today, I go from here to LIVE. We speak at LIVE. I'm preaching again tonight. And by the time I finish that, I would have spoken 14 times in the last 10 days. So they, they know how to make you do things in Indonesia. We rocked up in a city called Solo on Wednesday. And they said, oh, by the way, you got a joint church meeting tonight. And went super. <laughs> Didn't know a thing about it. So it was great. We enjoyed it. But hey, let me just give you a couple of uh, things before we get started. LIVE is on after this. If you've never been, it's where Janet and I sit down and just talk through with you about Victory and uh, our ministries that are scattered all over the city. I don't know if you're aware of, but Victory operates out of eight different locations every week to make all of our ministries and things happening. Soon to be nine when Jasmine is added, right? to our Ush centres. We'll be operating out of nine different locations all through the week, not just a building on Sunday morning. And, uh, and so we will tell you all about that at LIVE. It doesn't matter if you haven't signed up, there'll be enough food for you. I know of at least 12 brand new people to the church who are coming, which is awesome. And it's good. So you're welcome at the ministry centre, but you got to scoot. You got to get out of here. And excuse me and Janet, as soon as it's over, we got to get in the car and head there. Um, we can't hang around. Sorry about that. But if you want to come with us, that'll be great. And uh, church prayer on Tuesday night. Listen, it'll be awesome. But can I say to the leaders, let me give you a preview. They asked and said, hey, can we do some leadership training? Uh, we do it about once a quarter for our leaders. And uh, this one came through. Do you think you could train us on handling the demonic in your ministry? Janet and I kind of stumbled into that by default. It wasn't a church person manifesting coffee. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, I got the demon of coffee. And like, if, if you know, leave my demon of coffee alone. I like that one. So Christians come up with some of the most ridiculous things. I can imagine Jesus walking along the Sea of Gennesaret and a man starts manifesting because he hadn't had his coffee for the morning. How ridiculous is that? Um, yet it's genuine. Um, there is the demonic act actively happening all around us. I guarantee you more faithful than you to services on a Sunday will be some emissary sent from hell to disrupt stuff. But what we don't do is we don't become paranoid about demonic because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We just need to be aware, not ignorant and not afraid and not, not ashamed. And we kind of stumbled into it by default over in South Australia, a young man who was a nurse at the hospital just stumbled in off the street and said, I heard you're a counselor. Uh, he's, he was a, a male nurse and he said, I'm having emotional problems. Within about 15 or 20 minutes, I went, yeah, it's not emotional. And uh, weird things started happening, especially when he pulls out letters and photos uh, that his um, de facto partner is living with was a witch and had put curses on him and wrote this language that was just not an earthly language and threatened him, if you ever leave me, this kind of stuff's going to happen to you. And it was on for young and old. We didn't even know how. But we know this. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So we're going to deal with that because um, we learned a lot of things along the way. We're going to train our leaders. And it has happened in some of our church services. Don't worry about it. When it happens, you don't have to be afraid. He's greater, always. Oftentimes, a demonic will manifest because they're, they're, trying to, they're like a dog with no teeth, you know. They're trying to bark to scare you so you'll leave them alone. 
but the power of God is greater. But we've seen all kinds of things happen. We've seen it overseas, but we've also seen it. In, the funny thing, people think because we're sophisticated, we're scientific, and we're educated, the demonic is not around us. Bah. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to do some training on that Tuesday night. If you're a leader and uh, you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love to have you there. It'll be good. It'll be awesome. I think that's the only one I was going to talk about. I'm not talking about your camp because you get too excited about it. <laughs> I, I never come. I'm, they don't let me come anymore. I'm getting too old. They don't even invite me. Oh, I can visit. You didn't say, will you? Should you? We'd love you to. You can. <laughs> Forget it. I can't even go to the family camp anymore unless I sneak my grandkids in with me anyway. But we, we had a good time in Indonesia. It was awesome. Uh, we were training pastors and leaders, doing church services. We did a marriage seminar for couples Saturday week ago. Uh, last Sunday at our third church service on the day, I got Pete Edwards to preach, who heads up our disciple making. And Pete's got an evangelist thing on him. We had four decisions for Christ. But then right at the end, we had tangible healings. Didn't that one woman had a, a big... Um, did you guys hear that? 11.5 centimeter tumor and, she, and, and it, there was no evidence it was there after she was prayed for. So I guess you had to go to the doctor, you know, and, and validate that, but it was awesome. So that was cool. Thanks for praying for us. It was good. Um, we're just, we were dead tired. We got home Tuesday after lunch only to find out power at our house had been kicked off, didn't come back on. Everything in the refrigerator not only spoiled, but it rot, rotten meat and blood everywhere. So here we are, ready to fall in the bed, so we got to start getting rid of rotten meat and blood and all kind of stuff, and now the fridge is gone, and the food, hundreds of dollars of food is gone, and look at this, and how would you be? Funny enough, insurance, after years, came through, bought us a brand new fridge, getting food. How good is that? Now, I can't tell you the company, but if you're within RMA, you'll do well. <laughs> I'm not allowed to promote. They were great, so, but we had to clean that up and I think a few of the team members were still struggling with stomach stuff, barley belly uh, and things like that. So, But we're going to pray as we get ready for the word. How about that? Let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you for pastors Darren and Beck and their day off today. Just pray you refresh them, encourage them as a family, strengthen them. We bless you for them. They're such a blessing and want to pray your power on them right now. God, we want to thank you uh, for your presence and your grace here today released through your word. Faith comes by hearing this word. God, I want to thank you that our faith today is going to be challenged and also increased. I want to thank you that the grace that flows through this word brings miracles and healing and salvation and faith. It's a word of truth. It's a word of life. So God, we don't want to just be hearers. God, we want to be those who activate the word in our life and in people around us. So we're ready. We're ready to hear. Holy Spirit, take it. Don't just awaken us to it and illuminate us to it, but God, challenge us to activate it in our lives. God, we don't want to walk out of here the same. We want to walk out here, God, stronger, faster, larger than we've ever been. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And that doesn't mean we're larger because we're eating all the biscuits at the end. Amen. Pastor Nate always prays for the Jets at the end of his, and he, I heard last week at the end, I heard, listened to the podcast. Unfortunately, podcast here didn't get recorded, so I didn't get to listen to Mel. I heard she was good. Um, but Pastor Nate always, thank you, Lord, for the Jets. We pray for a miracle, and apparently they're on top. Oh, they get beaten? Okay. It's all right. At least they're not wooden spooners. He had the audacity to pray for the Knights, too. I don't get that. But anyway. 
Mm. Hey guys, we began a good series while we were away. That uh, it's just great to hear the guys. I listened to Simo's sermon and uh, Nate's. Uh, a church like home, which is awesome. It's talking about our spiritual family. I, I want to say something about that before I launch into it. Um, we call church our family. I wonder if we would be as quick to shift family as we are church when things don't go our way. Do we really know what we mean when we say this is my family? If you've ever been in a home where somebody major in that home deserted you, you don't want the same thing at church. I mean, I come from a home where father left, never came back. And so when somebody says, I'm a family and I'm here with you and I love you. There is a part of me that, like Scott right now, I fold my arms and go, yeah, right. That's the Aussie, I've been around Australians too long. You know, you just, yeah, show me and I'll believe it. And when it comes to church, I wonder if in the West we have lost what the original thing was meant to be when Jesus said, I'll build my church. He's talking about a collective group of people that are committed in covenant, not who are there just for what they get out of it. I know people personally in this city who have been to seven churches in the last 20 years. And I'd go, you know, have you been to seven families? Did you go to seven different dinner tables to eat in the last 20 years in families' homes? Think about it when we say this is my family. Because as Westerners, we're not very good at community. We're not very good at real connected connections. There's an advertisement right now because all these electronic gadgets. Janet and I sit and we go out on a date and we watch the couples at dinner, the tic-tac couples, who hardly say a word to each other through the whole of dinner. I want to throw my food at them. I want to go, hey, look, you're wasting your time and money. You know, um, there's, a, there's an advertisement that says we're always connecting but never connected. It's pretty bad when, when we count as our family and our close friends those that are on the gadgets. Oh, such and such follows me. I've stopped it. I'm off all social media for that very reason. I don't want anything. And it's not that it's evil, but you need to understand these things are like money. They're good servants, but horrible masters. And the problem is now we live in a society where people are mastered by this stuff and they call that community. It's not community. It's not family. You don't determine who is your family by who follows you on Facebook. Justin Bieber is not your brother. (laughs) He's got some little computer robot that ticks everybody in the world that follows him. Don't you understand that? Haven't you filled in forms recently where you have to say, I am not a robot? They want to know you're a real person buying their product. Family. Family. Church is a family. Let's just throw the next screen up because I don't know if Mel did this last week. Next screen. You notice in family right in the middle is the I. We've got to belong. We're vital in the family. With others around us. And so what we're talking about, began the series two weeks ago about family is inclusive. It's talking about our spiritual family and being a part of this whole thing. Home is an inclusive place. Everyone is welcome. And Pastor Simo said this phrase, it's a home for humanity. Do we understand that? 
Because home doesn't mean the dwelling place with bricks and mortar. It means a place where I belong. I find strength. I find safety. I find acceptance. And it talks about belonging. And, and we're all called to this thing called the church. And Peter, in, a, in his first letter, said, we are living stones. Don't you find that a weird mixed metaphor? I, you remember when rocks, we had the pet rocks back in the 70s or what, 60s? Was that 60s or 70s? 70s. All us old farts, it was the 70s. I'm going to use a song tonight. I, I'm speaking tonight on Shades of Grey. Uh, I'm deli- that's what I was going to tell you. I'm deliberately talking about the fine line. Knowing when you've crossed the fine line. And how do you know you've crossed that fine line? Even in the name of reaching out to somebody, how do you know when you've crossed the fine line? And I started thinking of a song Janet and I used to listen to by a Christian singer called Wayne Watson. And, uh, and, and the song is called The Fine Line. And all of a sudden I saw the date and I thought, oh my Lord, most of the people there on Sunday night weren't even born when this song went out. Still a good song. Come tonight. Because a lot of Christians, if they don't live on the fine line, they, they, they step over it now and then. It's like, a, a, you know, when you play basketball, the worst place you can take the ball down the court is on the sideline. Get in the middle of the court. Every defender knows that if you're coming down the sideline, I'm just going to block you. So the only place you can go is stepping out. That's what the devil does to you. I'm going to block your path. The only thing you can do from here is step out of, out of bounds. And we're going to talk about that tonight. But home is a place where like living stones, this mixed metaphor, the living rock. Can you understand that a stone is not a house? Did you understand that? Just, and you go, yeah, but I'm the house of God. No, you're not. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit, but you're not the house where he dwells in the city. He never uses that language. The house where he dwells in a city and people go to meet him is called the church. Now, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the people. Because one stone doesn't create a house. Just like one person doesn't create a house for God. And Paul says it in Ephesians and Peter says it. You are living stones built together for what? To be that spiritual house where people come, there's an open door and they can belong. So last week they started talking about being invested in the house. And people, were, I'm sure people when they heard it, oh no, they're going to talk about money. And it was anything but. Because you're not going to get invested if your heart's not in it's not about money. It's about the heart. Home is a tremendous place that we value. So our hearts in it talks about home where Jesus said, where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. That's home. And we invest ourselves into the house of God where we've got heart to heart connection. We're not a club just trying to achieve something in a city. I love what Rick Warren asked years and years ago. Rick Warren asked the question, if your church cease to exist in the city, would anybody else ever know beyond your members? Where did victory go? I remember a place, used to be called victory. What happened to it? Would the people of the city even know if we disappeared off the map and never existed again? Because if, if, if that were the case, then all we're doing is gratifying each other. But all of a sudden, when people whose needs are being met in the city, and because our hearts are in this thing, we are heart-to-heart connection and reaching people, then all of a sudden they will know when we're gone because needs are no longer being met that used to be met. Yeah. And Peter describes this heart connection as unity, sympathy, brotherly love, compassion. And it only takes place when our heart, and he talks about this, where the condition of the heart is healthy. 
I want you to think about that for a minute. What state is your heart in? Because it is so easy for the heart to become unhealthy. That's why Solomon said, above everything else, before you think about anything else in life, think about your heart and guard it because that's where life is at. And here's what Peter says. You you need to speak blessing over each other, not cursing. You, You need to stop complaining and being negative and start being positive. There's so much negativity in the world as it is. And we need to start being positive. And so what happens is people speak blessing about each other and over each other and about the church. Listen, all you've got to do is stick around long enough, stick around me long enough, and you'll have plenty to whinge about. I know that shocks you. You know, I have made a mistake in my life. It wasn't getting married. I know, honey. It's all right. We'll be married 40 years and a bit over a month. Mm. But if you're looking for the perfect church, the perfect family, you're never going to find it because you're not perfect. Because you'll spoil it as soon as you join it. And if you want to look for the negative and complain about what doesn't happen, you'll find it because it's in your heart. It's not the circumstances, it's in your heart. And Peter says, get your heart right. Speak blessing over each other and you invest in the house. So today, going back to 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to be looking at the need for all of us to be involved. It's not a one-man show. Cannot be. The day is over where church is about one guy up the front doing the best he can to keep your attention. I, I'm, I keep watching. We watch. We, we, we're we're kind of, Janet and I are NCIS groupies. Anybody else like NCIS? Good. Love the police stuff. I was police chaplain for years, so I love the police stuff. It is nothing like that on the inside. (laughs) Anyway, I love it. Somehow they've got this magical thing in a room that blocks all transmissions. I'm still trying to find it at techno stores so you can't surf the web while I'm preaching. (laughs) Not my job to keep your attention. That is not my job. By slick advertisements and dancing on the stage and coming up in a tutu or whatever they do nowadays. It's not my job to keep you interested in what's going on. It's my job to present this so your faith gets bigger. It's up to you whether you want that or not. So if you want to surf the web, by all means, I'll give you the code to the internet now. Not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. Anyway, it's no longer about the guy up front trying to keep everybody happy. Living stones, not a living stone. There's one cornerstone. The rest are living stones. You know what a cornerstone is in a house, by the way, don't you? It is the block on the corner that holds everything together in the foundation. That's Jesus. The rest of us are built around him together. And it's not just about belonging. It's about building. I'm not talking about bricks and mortar. I'm talking about building up. Because a healthy home, listen to me, doesn't happen just by you or me being there. How many of you had teenage kids at home at some stage? Let me see your hands. You know what I'm talking about. Healthy home doesn't happen just because those kids live in your home. Trust me, walk into their bedroom one day. Have a look around. And if you're not cracking the whip, they have got pathways to their most important things. Isn't it true? We're now empty nesters, so gone are the pathways. Soon gone the rest of the junk. Anyway, um, a home isn't healthy just because you live there. Just like a church isn't strong and healthy just because you attend occasionally. It happens because we're all in. 
There's a difference between being an attender and someone who is attached. Just let that soak in for a minute. Pastor Paul Scanlon from England, incredible guy. He wrote an article called The Law of Attachment. He said, some people attend your church and others are attached to your church. What's the difference, you ask? Simply that people choose your church, whereas others are chosen for your church by God. Which one are you? Oh, that's a nice little church to go to down at the dog track. As long as they entertain us and keep our attention and meet a few needs, we'll show up once in a while. That's not a healthy church. But people who know in their heart of hearts, God has planted me in the house and I am here to build the house of God. I'm telling you, that's healthy. Because someone, um, someone who sits and attends, they just kind of, they, they sit, they observe and they interpret every, you're interpreting everything I'm doing right now, even my weird accent. And the problem with this is at best you'll become passive and inactive. At worst, you'll become cynical and critical. And that's dangerous as much for you as it is for us. But someone who is attached participates, contributes, and owns. Even when there's a problem, I own it. I'm part of the problem, so I can be part of the solution. And the great thing about being attached is that we not only belong, we're involved in building it up. And a home is at its best when each person seriously contributes to building the life and the health of it. I mean, you know what it's like? You have passive kids at home. They just attend. They sit at the meal and you try to talk to them and they grunt. <clears throat> when my son was young, the, the favorite phrase was, yeah, whatever. Is that gone now with teenagers? No, it's still around. Don't you love the way they... And they had a phrase. I couldn't work it out for the life of me. Oh, that's hell good. And I'm going, can you just back up the truck a minute? How can you say that in the same sentence? It's not the same thing. Don't use that. Anyway, there's a lot of difference between just being there and being all in. We never let our kids, we, we said to our kids, you quit high school, you either go to TAFE, you get a job, or you go live elsewhere. We can give them a choice. I know they're my kids and they'll continue to be my kids, but they'll live at a different address. Serious. Son decides after year 10, Dad, I'm finished. I don't like school anymore. Great. Let's go enroll you at TAFE. Enrolled him in mechanics. Three weeks in. Dad, I hate this. Great. Let's go back to school. I don't know. I'm not sure. Good. I'll take you down to Woolies and we'll find out who pushes the trolleys around and you can start pushing trolleys. I won't go back to school, Dad. I mean, there's no negotiables. My kids would come to church and I said, it's, it's not if we are going to church. We're a family that do this together. And you will not sit on the back row and talk. You don't have to sit with me and mom. I know that's not cool anymore. But you are not going to sit on the back row and talk. Just not going to happen. Right, okay. And you will go to youth group. Non-negotiable. You're a youth. Yeah, but I don't like the youth pastor. Too bad. He won't last out. You will. <laughs> that wasn't Earl. It's true. Did you know the average youth pastor only stays 20 months? In Australia? Look what you're doing to them. You're killing them. Used to be the, the average pastor only stayed three years. We've beaten that by nearly seven, oh yeah, over seven times now. These guys have already beaten it by oh, four or five times. You're going into your fourth year. Awesome. I haven't run them off yet. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm running out of time. I've got a bit to give you. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. It'll be on the screen. 
I think. Oh, yeah, you get it. I don't. All right. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... Now, I want you to notice something in verse 11. Paul is talking about gifts from God, and he only gives two, speaking and serving. Hang on a minute. Paul. I said Paul. Peter. Peter, Paul, Mary. It's all the same. Anyway. Not. Anyway. I just thought about that. The young people will think Mother Mary, Virgin Mary. The group, the singers. Peter, never mind. I'll come over here. They're older. Um, So Peter says, it's like, I know there's a lot more gifts than speaking and serving. He's given the bookends to the gifts. A to Z. There's a lot in between. And he's just assuming you're going to figure this out. You're going to know this. Peter is one of the founders of the church. He remembers the day, listen, when Jesus said to him directly, and I will build my church upon your confession that I am the rock, I am the Christ, and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. And Peter knows, right, church is born on Pentecost, boom. Not long down the track, Acts 6 comes along and guess what happens? The church has grown so big, they can't keep up with meeting the needs of people and serving people. So the, the, the ones who are responsible for the teaching and preaching are running around having to feed widows and take care of everybody in need. Sounds like modern day church. That's what we pay you for. No, he said, then the word of God and prayer gets neglected and you're not going to hear from God. We need to select seven people who can do this serving of tables. And he remembers that day. And you know what he's trying to say when if your gift is speaking the, word of, the words of God, then speak it like God is speaking through you. If it is serving, serve with the power of God like he's working through you. You know what he's trying to say? Both bookends are equally needed in the house of God and everything in between. One is not preeminent. So you could sit there and go, my gift's not important. I'm not a preacher. I don't get up front like you. Can I give you... I don't know the exact verse, but it's in the book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's one of the ones that thought, how would you love to grow up in the shadow of the Son of God as your older brother? It's like, this guy never does anything wrong. Look at his bedroom. (laughs) They even tried to trick him once, all his brothers. Did you know that? They tried to trick him. And he he knew it before they did it. That's unfair. Anyway, (laughs) so, but James writes some very strong words because he had to be corrected. And you know what he said about those who teach and preach? Not many of you should want to be preachers, brethren, because they undergo a stricter judgment. If you are not called to do what I do, for heaven's sakes, run from it a thousand miles an hour. I will stand before God one day in heaven and he'll say, how do you treat my word in giving it to people? You know, did, did you do it faithfully? Did you stick to what's in there or did you just give your opinion? Were the people built up or torn down by the way you did it? Golly, Lord, just let me serve tables. Anyway, so he says in verse 11, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things, everything. So it's not about who's got the best gift. In everything, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So here's the deal. Being attached to the house of God, first and foremost, means that we have been trusted by God. That blows me away when I think about that. 
I, I was a kid who, if you if you'd have read my resume, my before I got saved, you'd have said this kid's not going to amount to anything. He doesn't have a great background. He doesn't have great education. He doesn't have a good family background. You know, he's going to be one of those that we hope will stay out of prison. But if he doesn't, we've got things ready just in case he does. And to know that by the grace of God, he not only saved me, but now he trusts me. And you know, you really feel at home when you know you're trusted. Do you know that? Trust can be earned or it can be given as a gift. I didn't earn the trust of God by doing a lot of stuff. He gave it as a gift. And the deal is this. Verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of gifts. It's not one that misses out. If you're a child of God, you've got gifts. It's just a matter of whether you've let them become active and whether you're using them. It comes as a package, part of his grace. And being trusted speaks of confidence. I'm blown away, not just that the Father trusts me, but he has confidence in me. Yeah. Do you realize the only thing Jesus Christ ever said he would build was his church? He didn't say, I'll build a library and, and I'll live off the income by writing books, CDs, podcasts. He didn't say, I'll build an empire. As a matter of fact, he went home once to Nazareth after he was in the wilderness and he went through that testing time. He does what he always does. He goes to the synagogue to worship. Oh, they're going to read Isaiah. Good. That's about me. So I'll read it. Opens a scroll and reads Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And he goes through it. Scroll, rolls up the scroll, sits down and goes, that's me. They wanted to kill him. Actually said they took him to the edge of the cliff to push him over, but he walked right through them as if they weren't there. So he thought, right, they don't want me. I'll go to the next town. So he goes around the Sea of Galilee and he goes, oh, what's the name of the town? Capernaum. Where he got Peter with him and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. She can't make dinner. So Jesus goes, I'm hungry. Get up. Boom. Fever's gone. She's not sick. She makes dinner. All of a sudden the news spreads. This is, this is the Keith version. News spreads. Wow, this guy can just speak a word and it's gone. Crowds flock to him. And all of a sudden, it says everybody who had demons, sicknesses, illnesses were brought to him and they were healed. Night hits. He's exhausted. Everybody goes to sleep. Jesus gets up early as he does and he goes off to pray. And they're looking for him. Come on, let's find Jesus. And we'll, we'll create the Jesus first healing ministry. And, and Capernaum will be put on the map and people will come from everywhere to visit this phenomena and this guy. Where is he? They finally find him. He's out the edge of the city praying of all things. You think he'd be practicing, preaching. I practiced this message two times this morning before you get it. Serious. Ask Janet. She has to listen to it three times. Jesus comes out and they said, we got all these people. We're going to set up the Jesus first healing ministry. And he goes, yeah, no, nah. not interested in that. You're not interested in healing people. Of course I am, but not here, not now. That's not what I came for. What did you come for? I came to preach the kingdom to all the other cities also, not just yours. And that's what I'm going to do. 
more than his fame and his reputation was his mission. He humbled himself, Paul says in Philippians 2, and became a man, a servant. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give up my life. Jesus himself said, I'm not looking for that. He so loved the church. I will build my church. There was nothing else he was interested in. The church. And we're not talking denomination. We're not talking building. We're not talking creeds and doctrines. We're talking about living stones. I'll build it. And even hell won't stop it. And then all of a sudden, with absolute trust, he goes, and you're going to do it. 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 Because I've got confidence in you. I tell you, if that doesn't blow you away, this is not some kind of charitable organization in the city. This is the house of God we're talking about. And you know what that does? It should cause you to believe in yourself. Because he's got confidence in you. And you should believe in each other, even though you make mistakes. He believed in Peter. Peter, upon your confession, I will build my church. He didn't say, Peter, you are a loudmouth and I can never use you. No, Peter. I'm going to use your loud mouth one day and it'll build the church. One day, 3,000 people, boom, get born again. Incredible, because Peter preached. The NIV kind of uses a phrase called administering. I think it was up on, no, it's not up there. NIV uses a phrase administering, while other versions like the New American Standard, the English Standard, the New Revised Standard uses the term steward. You ever heard the word steward? It's an old-fashioned English term, steward. What the heck does that mean? The New King James says this. Do I have that up on screen? Yeah, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Stewards. What is that word? The Greek word underneath it is, I try to say it in Greek, but it'll have a hint of Alabama. Uh, Economos. I'll say it slow. Economos. What's it sound like? Economy, doesn't it? That's where the word economy comes from. Well, not that one. It comes from the noun form, the other noun form of it, economy. And it, 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 it literally, it, it can be translated as manager, but it literally means somebody who has been given the economy, the, the, the welfare of the economy of somebody else's house. Mm. And Jesus, you need to know this too. Jesus was the first to use this in the New Testament when he would give a parable about people trusted with something from the Father, like the parable of the talents. And he would use this idea and this phrase about you are an economy, you are stewards, you are managers of something the Father owns and he has confidence you're going to do well with it because he trusts you. And he says... And it's a lot, too, because he uses the word manifold. And you know what that means? A great variety of rich things. And it shows the creative, here's a phrase for you, divine diversity. You ever heard of that? Last week was about unity. This week's about diversity. Divine diversity. And the deal is this. These, these many gifts are the things that God has designed to build his home with. And he entrusts it to you and me. And it's not limited to a select few like the paid staff. Oh, we're not meant to do that. That's the paid staff. I got news for you. We got a lot of staff who aren't paid at all. Matter of fact, we got a whole bunch of people called to ministry. You. 
you don't have to be super talented. You don't have to be an apostle or a prophet. You don't have to go to five years of Bible college. You don't even have to be the most mature person. That's good news, isn't it? It's true. Because he says these gifts have been given to each one. Each of us have been trusted with God to build his house. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.